And so, unlike Ernie, we're all going to exercise a great deal of self-control. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, uh, and we're going to see what God's Word has to say about that. And I have, I have some handouts, as is normal. They always do kind of stick together, don't they? Yeah, I think you blew on them. Now, last week we looked at... Like new money. Like you... I thought never had any of that. I don't know why they all the time. Last week we looked at gentleness and faithfulness as the fruit of the Spirit in this continuing study of the fruit of the Spirit. And anybody remember the most prevalent definition that, that, that came out of gentleness? Dirty in the trash can. <laughs> that was a gentleman. That was the antithesis of gentleman. Here's the one that, that Richie had used the week before, actually, when we had concluded the week before that this kind of stuck with me, and I, I like it, so I, I'm going to reiterate it because it's a uh, power under control. Is what we said, just to kind of define gentleness. That's interesting because gentleness and meekness are not weakness. There's tremendous power. And uh, probably the most gentle example we will ever have was Jesus. And who was the most powerful example that we've ever had? Jesus. And so that is not a, 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 a contrast or a contradiction. It is in harmony. So gentleness really is, uh, comes with a great deal of, of power. And we, we just see Jesus as our example. And then we use the biblical example uh, that essentially resulted in Jesus talking about there being no condemnation. So we can be gentle with everybody, can't we? Not just talking about the gentleness in terms of other believers, but we could be gentle with everybody, and we saw the the, uh, uh, the great example of the Samaritan woman at the well, and how gentle Jesus was, and and uh, the woman that was caught in adultery, and and uh, and the religious leaders all wanted to stone her, of course, because that was the law, and we saw how Jesus dealt with that, which was frankly quite miraculous for the day, which is why they single file walked out one at a time because uh, I have to believe that they were learning some of the same things that we are. <laughs> they, they were, uh, but, but they probably didn't exercise self-control that we're going to have tonight because they, uh, they, didn't, they didn't learn well, did they? <coughs> they? They maintained some disobedience that those religious leaders. And, um, and then we also saw in gentleness that it was really about salvation and restoration. Because salvation, in the sense that Jesus was gentle with these with these people that he ran across, and he, and and what was it? What was the purpose for him to be gentle? Why did he come? Seek and save the lost. Mm-hmm. And so, 
Pero, there's the big lesson for us. You're not going to win somebody to the Lord by shouting at them at the track end. It's not going to happen. Threatening to hit them with a club. So gentleness, that's a, that's a huge lesson for us because sometimes, I don't know about you, but there are people that I have been talking with. Uh, I'm thinking about one person in particular um, that I really care for uh, deeply and I get so frustrated. I get so frustrated, and I it, I try not to have that frustration turn to anger. I, I try to continually be gentle uh, in my discussions, uh, but it seems like after after several years of sharing the gospel, they're no closer now than they ever have been. But then I don't know. I don't have a clue. But in my humanity, I want them to be closer, and I want them to use the right words, and I want them on the scale, and I want to say, okay, we're halfway there. Now we just got to get that. It doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. So salvation and restoration for those of us that have made mistakes or are about to. <laughs> and it's about restoration. Gentle. Very gentle. And then if we saw that faithfulness is a gift of God. Yeah? Okay. And then we talked about it in terms of this being dependable, steadfast, trustworthy. It's one of the terms that we use in, in, uh, in, in biblical terms. <coughs> and then we, we also looked last week that faithfulness is also the root word in the Greek is the same root word for the word amen, which means verily, or it is so, or so be it. Okay? And so that's interesting. So uh, when you're in a situation and somebody shouts, I'll never forget Brother John, uh, Brother John, when there was a message being preached, or if it was a Bible study, or or it, on Thursday morning when he would come, it didn't matter. If if he felt that deep conviction, he didn't care where he was. It was Amen, brother, and it is so. Verily, I I verily, uh, verily, I say unto you, it is true. It is it is trustworthy. It is faithful, and so. Um, and then we look at that question, um, you know, do you absolutely have faith? And then is your faith absolute? Because that's a powerful and big question to meditate on. I think we do have, we absolutely have faith. But I'm not sure that we all have absolute faith. Mm-hmm. I don't think so. Yeah, I was really um, uh, intrigued by the discussion when we looked at that last week because Brenda said, I have absolute faith. And, and some people that, that raised an eyebrow until she explained herself. And then she and I talked about it for a, a bit afterwards. And, and she was very clear that absolute faith to her was that when she prayed, she had, she believed absolutely that God was going to answer. She just didn't know how or when, but that's what she meant, which is, of course, absolutely correct. Okay, because if it's God's will, and and just because we want it to be God's will doesn't mean that it is going to be God's will. But does that mean that we should not pray? No, of course not. We should pray even more. So then we transit, we we transition into into this this through the Spirit that God chose to name last. And it is sandwiched between love 
All the other fruit of the Spirit that he lists, and then self-control. I've really been thinking about that a lot over the last several weeks. I don't know the answer why. Why did God order them in Scripture? Because by the inspiration of the Spirit, there is no there is no mystery that every word is absolutely perfectly placed. It is God breathed. So why did God say that the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, blah blah blah, self control? Well, without self-control, you can't convey love to other people. Good point. Without self-control, you cannot convey love to other people. Nor can you convey any of the other other fruits. Like a bookend. Oh, I like that. It's like a bookend. A bookend. So the bookends are love and self-control. And they hold everything together. Hmm. That's interesting. Uh, um, I'm going to ask a couple of other questions, and I'm sure that you can have. I'm sure that you can almost immediately recall a story um, uh, that has nothing to do with trash cans, but that, that will have something to do with self-control, either exhibiting it or losing it. Yeah. Okay, because we've all done it. But. To get started, I ran across a couple of quotes that I that I thought I would share with you. And the first one is this, and it re- they all relate to self-control. The first one is that God tests, but He does not tempt. Mm-hmm. And where where did that who who said that? God. <laughs> that came that came straight out of God's word. Okay. So God tests, but He does not tempt. Um, this next one came from a person. Once you think about it in terms of biblical self-control, and I cannot trust a man to control others who cannot control himself. I cannot trust a man to control others who cannot control himself. So I wonder what the context was of the person that gave this quote. You're going to know it immediately when I tell you who. Who the quote? Who was quoting? Why don't you give us a time frame? No, forget the time frame. What about the context? What context do you think of when you think of the quote? I cannot trust a man to control others who cannot control himself. Leadership, sort of like a blind leader. Leadership. Leadership. Military. Robert E. Lee. (laughs) Robert E. Lee said, "I cannot control." So, in a military environment, if you got somebody that's out of control, how are you going to put them in charge of these men? Mm -hmm. You can't do that. It would be a mess. And the same applies to any leadership. In a church, in a business, in any organization. How are you going to put somebody in charge of something if they don't exhibit the character quality? Because all of these are character qualities of God in the context of biblical self-control. How could you do that? Well, you could, but it would result in chaos. It would result in chaos. It, I, I was on uh, the computer and I was looking for some examples and as I was just doing my study I, I saw a clip that came from somebody that was a that was not a Christian and they were a detractor and so they and, uh, and uh, boy if, if you were judging Christianity as a non-believer and you were looking at this pastor uh, this clip and he was preaching and he was angry 
and he was he was one of those uh, uh, health and wealth type preachers, mm-hmm. and he was upset because they had set some financial goals for their church and they hadn't they hadn't been <laughs> met, and he was giving his and somebody filmed it on like I want to, and he was giving his congregation the what for, and I mean he was stomping and pounding his fist and belittling them and I, I, I was shocked. Yeah. At first I thought, this isn't real. It's a it's a put-up. That's what I thought. Mm-hmm. And then as they panned around and they said, they, this was a real deal church with a real deal pastor who was upset that the congregation had not given enough. And I'm just thinking to myself, oh my gosh. Talk about exhibiting no self-control. And, uh, and it, it was horrible. It was horrible. Uh, strict exercise of self-control is an, is an essential feature of the Christian life. Strict exercise of self-control is an essential feature of the Christian life. Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Yeah, in the book, The Cost of Discipleship. See, because discipleship does cost something, doesn't it? I love that book. If you've never read Bonhoeffer's book, that's a great one to read because it's yeah, it will captivate you, and yeah, you, it's not a quick read. <laughs> You're not going to buzz right through it. It's not light reading, but it's good reading. Uh, I don't know if any of you know Mark Driscoll, the pastor from the Mars Hill Church, not the Rob Bell Mars Hill, but the Mars Hill up in Seattle, um, and. He's had a share of controversy recently, but he's, he's a pretty good guy. And he says this, An animal will conquer others. A spirit-filled man conquers himself with self-discipline and self-control. Mm-hmm. <coughs> I like that. The difference between an animal and a spirit-filled man is one that, that, that determines that he must conquer himself. It's, it's not about others. It's about, it's about yourself. That's why it's called self-control. Um, and then a, a, a gentleman who I, I don't have the slightest idea who he is, but he said this, and everybody in this room is going to be able to relate to this quote. You ready? Everything dictated silence and self-control, but I couldn't restrain myself, and I spoke my mind. <laughs> Ever been there? Mm. Oh, never. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sometimes reminded that I wear a nine and a half shoe because I'm taking it out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and you can't you can't get those words back. You know. And um, I'll, I'll never forget the uh, one time this happened to me some some years ago. I, I used to play softball a lot, and and, uh, and so my wife was on a on a women's softball league, and, and and so we were watching the girls play. And uh, there was a, a gal playing third base, and and she was struggling. She was just really struggling. She she couldn't seem to, no matter what came her way, she couldn't catch the ball, throw the ball, get a grounder, nothing. She was having a hard time. And my wife was sitting in the stands because she was going to be playing in the next game. And I looked over at her and I said, oh, that girl is just clueless. What I didn't know is that her husband 
was sitting right next to me, but I didn't know that that was like, open mouth and that was and that was like twenty years ago and and he works at at um he works at the market crossway over here, and so he he playfully reminds me about that every once in a while, and I've never forgotten it. <laughs> and here's a and here's the last one, um, and I think this one is good um, from an unknown author, and it says the spiritually mature desire self-control. Children want candy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I, I ran across that and I thought, wow. In terms of self-control, when we lose it, it's almost the same as wanting that instant gratification, mm-hmm. isn't it? Mm-hmm. Of, oh, there's candy, whatever I got to do to get it, without any consideration for any self-control, anybody else. It's kind of like the empty candy jar is sitting there because, mm-hmm. because you know, the kid ate it all. And you had intended that when when his friends came over that maybe you were going to distribute some of that, you know, but that mm-hmm. no self control. Nobody watched you. So what did we do? We gratified ourselves, you know, with that with that candy. Mm-hmm. And so what's the difference between self control and self discipline? The same thing. The same thing. Mm-hmm. Okay. For Doris, the same thing. Anybody else? Well, discipline sort of connotes a punishment in case you don't comply. I'm not sure mm-hmm. that might be the difference. Okay. What, are, <laughs> what other kind of discipline is there besides the negative kind? Is there a positive discipline? So are they are they the same? Self discipline, self control. Well, maybe I I can still remember. I'll tell you a story. I remember when I was a little kid in school, and we were supposed to write something, a test of some kind. And I was looking at my neighbors because I didn't know the answer, and I was going to write it down. Doris, you did that. (laughs) 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 So the teacher caught me, and she said. Come with me. And I said, oh boy, I'm in for it now. So she takes me outside the door and she gets down to my eye level and she says, you know what? She said, I am so disappointed in you. I didn't think you'd ever do that. And I was shocked when she said that to me. She said, I didn't think you would do that and I'm really disappointed in you. Because you could, you could do that yourself. You don't have to cheat. And, you know, I never forgot that. I never did it again. No, no, no. Ever. Discipline itself is supposed to be a teaching tool, not a punishment tool, and that's where I think we lose sight of it sometimes. Discipline is meant to teach, and that's plain and simple. Mm-hmm. So self-control should come before self-discipline. Self-control should come before self-discipline. Okay. <coughs> in what in what way would self-control come before self-discipline? Well, if you're talking about self-discipline where you're reacting to something that you did, 
exercise the self-control first, you wouldn't have to do self-control. So if you had self-control, you would be disciplined. Yeah. If you're disciplined, would you be, would you be controlled? If you're self-disciplined, would you be self-controlled? Mm-hmm. <laughs> what, what biblical example do we have of, of uh, self-control or self-discipline? What's the big? What's the what? Can, what can you think of a biblical uh, analogy that when I mention it to you, you'll go ah? David. David. The doll in the cave. Okay. Well, cutting off the corner of his robe instead of killing him. Okay. He exhibited great self-control because what could he have done? <laughs> okay. Also, Jesus being tempted by the uh, devil. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, saying you can have this if you just do such and such. That's right. Do you remember what else in that in that particular uh, uh, reference? You, re- you remember what what that what scripture says about where Jesus got that? From the Bible. Uh, well, no, but I mean, where he got self control? From the Lord. Yeah, from God, the Father. Where do we get it? From exactly the same source. So, in one sense, see, I don't think there is any difference between self-discipline and self-control. I think they, I think they do this. I think they're, I think they're hand in glove. And because without self-discipline, you can't have any self-control. And without self-control, you're probably not self-disciplined. And the biblical reference that I was thinking of, the analogy, was the running of the race. What does the athlete do? The athlete trains themselves. And they are, I mean, some of the most disciplined people I know are, are athletes. And, and so that discipline means that they get up and they do, even if they don't feel like it. And even if they don't want to, they do their workout. And I've heard people say, and even have had this experience myself, that some of the best workouts I've had were the ones where I had to struggle to even get out of the house to do it. Yeah. But you can have self-discipline and no self-control. Because the athlete does train a lot. Mm-hmm. A lot of athletes use drugs and ruin their lives with because of lack of self So one isn't a given uh, for the other. Right. Okay. And so now put it in the context of not athletics, but the biblical context of fruit of the Spirit. And the fruit of the Spirit is self-control. Mm-hmm. All right. And so, and, and where does the fruit of the Spirit come from? Excuse me? From the Holy Spirit. And when we have that Holy Spirit in us, what is the primary thing that we do that results in fruit? Obedience. It's the big O, isn't it? And so to the extent that we are obedient, fruit is born without us even knowing it. Is it? We've been saying this now for several weeks. It's amazing that people see it, but we don't, because it is just a manifestation of something very natural, isn't? And isn't that just like God? That He would gift us in that way, so that He would protect us against our pride. If we were had, if we had a scorecard and we were running around saying, "Okay, I'm gonna, I want to score an 8.5 in joy today." And I want and, and from oh and from self control, um, I'm going to be a ten today. 
Okay? So I am going to look for ways to be self-controlled. If we were, if we had to do that, we would be so puffed up by the end of the day <laughs> by how good we did. So God's intention for us, which would be to be obedient and Christ-like, and therefore, who gets the glory? Okay. Yeah, we should hope. Exactly right. That God gets the glory. Now, when we blow it, most often, I think if we're honest, we could see that we were the ones that were wanting to get the glory. We did things out in front. We wanted people to see, like the like the religious leaders. You know, they wanted to, they wanted to have the best seat, and they wanted to. They were so hypocritical, and so are we. I mean, at the end of the day, so are we. Unless we're walking in the Spirit and we are being obedient. And then we don't even recognize the beauty of the fruit of the Spirit is that we generally don't even recognize the fruit is being born. Mm-hmm. We don't even see it. That's because we have nothing to do with the fruit. We're just obedient. Amen. <laughs> because that's where the energy is going. In the Spirit, we are being obedient. There's no time to think about the fruit. It just develops and grows and, you know, and gets picked. <laughs> and it's delicious. And, wow. And you have to look backwards to see it. You can never see it looking forwards. That's very interesting. So, as a, as a fruit of the Spirit then, how do we reconcile the self part of self-discipline? Because I thought being a Christian was all about loving God and others. And obedience is a choice. Okay. And how does that relate to self? You have to choose. You yourself have to choose to be obedient to God. Okay. <coughs> That's what we've been looking at biblically. We've been, you know, we've been honing down into these fruit of the spirit, and every single one of them is is we've been saying is action. Mm-hmm. These are verbs. Okay? And so as we as we look at those, so we recognize that um, insofar as bearing fruit of the Spirit, some of it does depend on us. We have to make the decision. Once we make the decision, then what? We have to act on it. We have to act on it. And how do we act on that decision that we've made to be obedient. What is required? What's the first thing that is required if we are going to be obedient? John? Self-control. And how does that manifest itself? What's the first thing that has to happen? If you're going to be obedient, Diana, because you're a believer in Jesus Christ, and nobody doubts that for a second, and you've decided, first thing in the morning, thank you, Lord, for giving me breath today. I am going, My prayer today is to be obedient, Lord, to your word, because you love me. What do I have to do to make that happen today? Act. And what's the first act that you have to do? Give up self. Give up self. And how do you do that? <laughs> Excuse me? Submit to the Holy Spirit. Uh, ding, 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 ding. <laughs> there, no, there is no strength common to man that would allow you to walk in obedience to Jesus Christ today 
It doesn't exist. You can't do it. I can't do it. Nobody has ever been able to do it without accessing, appropriating the power of the Holy Spirit that God has given you. How much of? Oh, we did. Was that complacency, or are you just tired? No, I'm just kidding. Exactly. So here we are with the fruit of the Spirit, and all we have to do is make the decision. It's a choice. The self part of self-discipline is the choice, because it's nobody else. Forget trying to get somebody else to be disciplined or self-disciplined. You can teach them, and you can lead by example, and that is it. And if they are a believer, if they would like self-discipline, it's only going to come from one place and one place only. Period. And if you're not going to be in step with the Spirit according to Scripture, if you are not going to walk in the Spirit, if you are not going to live in the Spirit today, forget it. You are not going to bear any fruit of the Spirit today. Because the more you try to do it in your own strength, the more it's just a complete waste of time. Don't even try it. Stay in bed. It's pointless. It can't happen. That's the biblical truth. So, how do we define then self-control? What is this self-control? This is an easy one. Control spirit. Having the spirit in control of you is self-control. Okay, I like that. That's good. What else? Can you wrap some words around it? Like a dictionary would? <laughs> Self-control. What is or isn't it? Right? <clears throat> Give you a couple of hints. The Holman Bible Dictionary starts with being sober. Not Alcoholically sober. That's not the that's not the word that is used there. But temperance. Pardon me. Temperance. Temperance. Yeah. In fact, a sober temperance would be well would be well put. Um, restraint. Pardon me. This is the last week we're going to bash you over that question. Oh, they don't quit. Because <laughs> <laughs> you know it means we love you. Yeah. Yeah. The Holman Bible Dictionary says this, a sober, temperate, calm, and dispassionate approach to life. Not that you're not passionate about life, but a dis, uh, dispassionate approach to life, having mastered, okay, get this, having mastered Personal desires and passions. Oh, good luck there. Ooh. <laughs> Having mastered. But isn't that the goal? <laughs> yeah. Okay. It. Because if you're going to die to yourself and take up your cross and follow Jesus, <laughs> what is required? <laughs> yeah. Mastering your personal desires and passions. Okay. The the implication there are the worldly desires and worldly passions because we're talking about from a biblical uh, point of view. That's the biblical definition of, of being self-controlled. So I think that the Bible really admonishes us and expects 
that we will be self-controlled people as followers of Jesus Christ, as children of God. The expectation, biblically, is that we will... Is that harsh? So the expectation, biblically, is that we will be self-controlled. Now, Susan, you just said, well, that's impossible, having mastered personal desires and, and passions of the world. Well, it is. That's something we, that's part of the sanctification process yeah. we go through for our entire life. Yeah. Will you ever master it? Probably not. Not until I'm in heaven, yeah, probably. Not until we leave here. Until we leave here, yeah. But not myself, but we certainly can through Christ. It's like we can conquer all things through Christ who gives us strength. <coughs> Is there any difference between this biblical definition of mastering these worldly passions and desires that are not biblical, by the way, um, versus being absolutely faithful? Like we talked about last week? So what did Jesus tell us? Was Jesus in the world? Yeah. Oh, he was in the world, all right. But he wasn't of the world. Yeah. I know a guy from the back of his truck on the camper show. Um, he has this thing for the longest time. I didn't know what it meant because I wasn't familiar with it. But it says N-O-T-W. Not of this world. Not of this world. I didn't know what the oh, title. You know, we got aviation has lots of factors. You know, we got to deal with all the time, half of which I've already forgotten. But but not of this world. Jesus wasn't of this world, and God gave him the strength. God gave Jesus everything he needed after forty days in the desert, and the devil came to him when he was at his weakest physical place. And what did Jesus? What, what was Jesus' response when the devil said, Hey, turn these rocks into the bread. Yeah, I mean, you're the Son of God. Come on, that, that should be nothing. And would it have been nothing for Jesus? Of course. What did he say? What was his response? Put it scripture and so not live by bread alone. He not live by bread alone. He was tempted. Was he hungry? Could he have turned rocks into bread? Right there on the spot? Absolutely. He didn't use any of his power to satisfy anything for himself. That's correct. Self-control. He knew his purpose. He knew the mission. He knew what was going on. Fully God. Fully man. But that was the fully man part. That being, I mean, I don't have a clue what it must be like not to eat for 40 days. I don't have any idea. I'm starving after 40 minutes. But, but, but there's a lot to learn there. And, I, you know, we're talking about exercising the ultimate in self-control because the devil was prepared to give him everything that could be seen. They went to the highest mountain and said, it's all yours. It's all yours. I wonder sometimes if I would be like Peter and say the wrong thing and stick my foot in my mouth and then, because, you know, if you do that, you can't read. Boy, can you imagine the regret? Mm-hmm. Now, you know, look what happened to Judas. Now, now, Peter got used in a whole different way. Mm-hmm. Judas didn't. Mm-hmm. 
lots of valuable lessons in terms of self-control with our mouth. But God's uh, word and God's people are expected to exhibit self-control. So turn to Titus 1. You know, Bill, something that uh, one of the quotes you talked about temptation. I think I think in this area, when you're talking about can you master it, can you, you know, I think as believers, this is one of those areas where we we tend to beat ourselves up too much because because you, you just said and, and we know from Hebrews that that Jesus was tempted in all ways yet without sin, and I think sometimes we when we look at self-control, we, we define it as eliminating all temptation. And, and that, that, that can really tie you up in knots if you equate just having temptations with not being self-controlled. Because it, it's, it's really what you do when, when the temptation comes. You know, there is a line. Being tempted is not a sin. And, but if you define self-control as I'm going to eliminate all temptation from my life, yeah, that... Yeah, that's the impossibility, you know. But if you say, "Well, Lord, I'm going to submit to you, so that I will not sin when temptation comes," that's a whole other way to approach self-control. Because now you're allowed, you're seeking God for what is really in your control, not external things that may tempt you, maybe brought you know the devil, whatever you know. And, and, and it's just one of those things where I think sometimes, again, as Christians, we, we just don't give ourselves enough credit for what God is doing and has done in our life. Where you are saying no to a whole lot of lists of stuff that you used to say yes to. Mm-hmm. But because you still feel you're getting tempted, you somehow get this negative self-image of yourself as a, as a less than Christian. Oh, I'm still being tempted. Well, what are you doing with that is really the, the bigger issue of self and I think we just have to give ourselves some grace in the temptation area that, that you know, Jesus was tempted. You know, and I don't know if we're going to ever eliminate being tempted yeah. on this planet, but I can eliminate what I res- how I respond to certain temptations yeah. while yeah. I'm on this planet. Or you can even eliminate those temptations that are in your life that you don't even think about. Yeah. And a quick story in that regard, I, I like to ride my mountain bike and I I go up to the top of Sultan Mountain. There's a training uh, ride. It takes about an hour and 30 minutes or so to get to the top. And, and you know, it's pumped really hard. And it's a great workout. And so I, I do that from time to time. And sometimes, if I'm by myself, I, I have this little device right here that has music on it. And so I'm riding up the... Uh, this is very recent in my world. Very recent in my world. And I want to put on some music that is going to pump me up that mountain. Mm-hmm. And I'm going up... And I have on a particular station on Pandora and ACDC, this rock and roll band from when I used to play punk rock music when I was a, when I was a kid, comes on and the song is Highway to Hell. And it's a, it is a up, you know, and I'm riding up on my bike and I'm listening to this and, and it was like God spoke to me not out of when he said, what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> and so, and and he'll appreciate this more than any of the rest of you. So I had to stop, and I had to change it, because I also have a lot of good contemporary Christian music on there. Mm-hmm. And so I, I, I had to stop. I, before? You would have just kept going. I would have just kept going. Mm-hmm. Now, I've been a Christian a really long time now. And I have that music on here. 
And I, for the very first time of this study, being filled with the Spirit and appropriating the Spirit, I listened to the words as I was going up that mountain, listening to that music, and I heard the lyrics and what they said and what was behind that. And I said, I can't do that. But let me tell you the rest of the story. I turned it off, and there's a cattle guard. There's two cattle guards. I turned on my... I, I just got rid of it. And I turned on the contemporary Christian music, and I said, I'm going to do something that's going to honor God. Okay? I'm sharing that with you now. Then, it was just between me and him. And I turned on... I, I just put the contemporary music on, and it wasn't so, yaha, you know, upbeat. And between those two cattle guards, I did my fastest time ever. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if it was coincidence, or if I was mad at myself, or if I was... Trying, I, I can't tell you why. I'm just telling you that I had to make a decision to get rid of it. Mm-hmm. My choice. My choice. And so, and for those of us, you know, for me and Scotty, for example, that's tough. Well, we grew up on this stuff. You know, we played that good old rock and roll music. And not all of it's bad. Not saying it's all bad. Mm-hmm. But that one is. That one is. Mm-hmm. And so, I just had to make a choice to eliminate that was necessary. Mm-hmm. It was just a choice to eliminate the temptation to even listen to that mm-hmm. and what the impact might have been. Because mm-hmm. there were words in there. Yeah. And there's some power in those words. Mm-hmm. I don't believe any of them, but I decided, I'm just not going to do that anymore. Mm-hmm. So I just, I had to. Okay? Anyway, that's the point. Mm-hmm. You know, so you can eliminate some of those temptations so you can be in the world, but not of it. Mm-hmm. And so what are we doing? And we're going to see this you know, in terms of these temptations and some of these some of these scriptures. So the first one is Titus one, seven through nine. Some of you would like to read that. Since an overseer is entrusted with God's work, he must be blameless, not overbearing, not quick tempered, not given to much wine, not violent, not pursuing dishonest gain. Rather he must be hospitable, one who loves what is good who is self-controlled, upright, holy, and disciplined. And I have this in mind. He must hold firmly to the trustworthy message as it has been taught so that we can encourage others by sound doctrine and refute those who oppose it. There's a lot in there. Who is this admonition directed to? Elders of the church. Elders and leaders of the church. There's a biblical admonition here. God expects. It is a requirement, doctrinally speaking, for leaders to fall into these categories above reproach. Okay? Above reproach. Hospitable. A lover of good. Self-control. Eighteen. Character qualification. 18 character qualities. In this one scripture, and this is just in Titus, they're in, in yeah. Timothy as well. And these are things that, uh, uh, oh boy, did we ever have this discussion four years ago? And, and it, it, you know, and it's sobering. Is it not? Okay, this is an admonition. I said earlier that, um, that there are biblical admonitions that where God's people are expected to exhibit self-control. You don't have self-control along with these other 17 character qualities. You're not qualified. Now, that's an admonition. Let's read the next one. Um, 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 4. Okay. 
Tomorrow, so that one, excuse me, Mario, go ahead. That one was for leaders. Let's look at this one for others. Okay. But mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, holy, oh, what a mess, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying its power, have nothing to do with them. Have nothing to do with them. Here is an admonition for those of us that see these kinds of qualities in others that are just the opposite qualities that he was talking about in Titus, and it says have nothing to do with them. Mm-hmm. Because and of course this is, there's self-control is listed in there. Without self-control, of course, you are going to do these things, aren't you? Because you'll be worldly, won't you? And especially if you're a non-believer. But even as a believer, you might slide into some of these things. That's called sin. But it is an admonition. You see, God's word is real clear. There is an expectation mm-hmm. for a child of God. Okay, so that when I said, what do you have to do? I mean, you have to appropriate the power of the Spirit. If you're not going to walk in the Spirit, you're going to be more about 2 Timothy 3 than you are about Titus 1. Because you can't do it. And I'm telling you, people slide right into these things. Lovers of yourself, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive. There isn't anybody in this room that doesn't have the capacity to be any one of those things. We all have that capacity. Okay, and so, however, if you're walking in the Spirit, that will be the farthest thing from 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 a character quality that will be exposed. You know, God wants to conform us to the image of His Son. Mm-hmm. So if we're going to be like Him, we can't be these things. That's right. And if you don't appropriate the Spirit, you will be those things. Mm-hmm. We see it all the time. We've seen it. Look in the life of David. You look in the life. Look at the biblical characters. Yeah. And then, if you really want to personalize it, look in the mirror. Yeah. <laughs> we have the capacity. And there's only one way not to do these things. Only one. And it's not in our power. And not in our strength. Okay? So if you're struggling through some things, I'm telling you that, that quite biblically, the primary issue is going to be asking yourself the question, have you appropriated the Spirit? Are you walking the Spirit? Are you in step with the Spirit? Because can God test you? Absolutely. Those circumstances could come down around you tomorrow. It might even be horrific. I don't know. And it could be a test from God. Or He might not have... He may just be allowing it, and it might be it might be a joke moment. I don't know, but but on the other hand, if you're going to exhibit self-control over the circumstances that are outside of your control, that you're going to not do it in your own strength. In your own strength, you're going to scream at that guy at the trash can. I'm telling you, that's what's going to happen. Okay, I might have hit him with Praise God, it's it, it got corrected halfway through. Come on, we've all had those. Yeah, turn to Second Peter one. Four through seven, and then let's take a look. The first one was was leaders. The second one was others, <coughs> including us, mm-hmm. if we're not careful. And this 
think about it in terms of all believers. 2 Peter 1, 4 through 7. And to get the full context, we can we can also read 3 if you want to. But you can start at 4, lower than 3. Okay. His divine power, I'll start with 3, was given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and goodness. Though we, though there, though these He has given us His very great and precious promises, so that through them you may participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption in the world caused by evil desire. Yes, all the way to second. Oh, okay. For this reason, or this very reason, make every effort to add to our faith goodness and to goodness knowledge and to knowledge self-control and to self-control perseverance and to perseverance godliness and so godliness, brotherly kindness and to brotherly kindness, love. <coughs> For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Hmm, that's interesting. According to this scripture, that it is by divine power, so we know where it comes from, don't we? Mm-hmm. And, and uh, without looking, mm-hmm. without looking in your Bibles, how much effort are we supposed to put into this? <laughs> Every effort. Every. Every guy got to go back to the original language, you know. Every in the Greek means every. every. <laughs> it just means every. It doesn't mean some part of the time. You know, right. it means that you better get off your bike and turn the music off when God reveals to you that that was stupid. Yeah. Just turn it off. Yeah. Get rid of it because it's not right. Yeah. And so make the decision. That's the every effort. And then because you know you didn't think about it before. So before I, I didn't do it before because I didn't think about it before. Mm-hmm. It just hit me at that time because that's what God's been doing. And so, bam, I had to do it, right? Mm-hmm. No big deal. Mm-hmm. Just no big deal. But you got to do it. So it's revealed, do it. How much effort is required on our part? All of it. Mm-hmm. You see, because as it is up to you to make the decision, I'm submitting to you tonight that in order for you to be self-controlled, not only is it going to require 100% of every bit of effort you have because God says you have to make the decision. And then He'll give you everything else. Because if you don't want to do it, you can say, eh, I'm half in. And if you're half in, you're dangerously going to go down that slippery slope of 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 4, and you're going to be a lover of self and a lover of money and prideful and arrogant and boastful. And it goes on and on and on. And and you're not even going to recognize it. So you're going you're to commit, mm-hmm. or you're not, because what is faithfulness? Mm-hmm. Look at this last week. It's an all-in deal. Mm-hmm. So to the extent that you're all in, what is God waiting for you to, to tell Him in the morning? Good morning, Lord. Good morning, Lord. I'm all in today. I'm all in. And then you got, but you got to go the next step too. Huh, Lord, I desperately need to be. I need your strength. I need your power. I need your Holy Spirit every moment of the day, for today, for the first half of the day, for this hour, for the next 15 minutes. God. Because I'm, I don't know about you, but I'm good. I'm getting, I'm a lot better than I was, you know. I can be very boastful now, so I, I can probably make it sometimes now. <laughs> sometimes. 
but that's a light morning. That's a huge change. That's a huge change. So, um, it takes every effort mm-hmm. to make the decision because your nature is against it. Well, interesting there in uh, verse 8, yeah, it says, For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, mm-hmm. it's not something that we've attained completely. That right. is just like a growth process, I think. And the more we lean on the Holy Spirit, the more these things are going to be evident. Susan mentioned that a little while ago. Mastery? Yeah. It's alarming, isn't it? Yeah. But that's what Scripture says. It says to master. What doesn't it say? It doesn't say today. Right. Why? Yeah, that's exactly right. It's called sanctification. We know that because... The, the whole of Scripture needs to be taken into consideration. All of God's precepts, His principles, um, His admonitions, everything that He gives us that is very direct, and so much of Scripture can be interpreted quite literally. Well, can you imagine what would happen if all of a sudden you did do all those things? Would you not puff up and be prideful and boastful? <laughs> <That's laughs> and you just go back the opposite way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, so there we have these examples of these uh, admonitions for leaders, for, for uh, we always like to look at others. Mm-hmm. In the last days, people are going to be proud and boastful, and I was some of that yesterday. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm so humble, I'm proud of it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, 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 you know, we, we laugh about that, but it, it's, it's, it, it's true, and it's quite serious in terms of uh, living a life to please, to please God. Mm-hmm. You know, there isn't anybody in this room that doesn't want that that's not their desire today. <laughs> Just today to please the Lord. And I I would also submit to you that each of us could probably look back at the day today and find one or two things that were probably not that pleasing. I'm not saying that we you know you know what I mean. Because <laughs> you can't get through a day without that. It's no, impossible. It's human that's that's right. Which is why the appropriation of the power of the Spirit and walking in the Spirit and being in step with the Spirit is, is a condensation thing. If we don't have that condensed, you know, while we're, you know, while we're working with that guy at work, it's tough. <laughs> okay? That's, that's tough. The customer that for the third time he didn't show up and our policy is not to charge them anyway. Uh, you know, you wasted a slot because you told people you were busy. And not to get angry about that. You know, I'm, pick something <laughs> that is in our regular life. It's, it's all there. Mm-hmm. So, the freedom that we have in Christ doesn't give us liberty to be people that are described in 2 Timothy 3, 1 people. I'm grateful and holy, disobedient. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Our freedom in Christ does not give us that liberty. Hmm. But it does call for us to be self disciplined and self controlled. Mm-hmm. While we're in the world, but not of it. And I'm telling you, that takes everything. Because if you don't have the all-in moments there, and I mean all-in with the Lord, 
If you haven't made that decision, and because uh, I'm telling you, there's going to be a day where you get up and you're so busy that you're going to get up in the morning and you got 743 things to do, and you, there's only time for 500 of them. And so you're going to, you know, you have one of those kind of days. And so, and you know, can can you forget? Uh, yeah, you you can. But you know, because our Christianity is our life. This is what it needs to look like. This is what it needs to look like. So, what does self-control then look like? In terms of <coughs> how we act, <coughs> Proverbs twenty-five twenty-eight. Like a city whose walls are broken down, is he is the man who lacks self-control. Hmm. Like a city whose walls are broken down, and is a man without self-control. Mm-hmm. Now, let's put that in the context. Uh, of time. What was it like in biblical times? Or what did cities have around them? Oh. What were they there for? Protection. And what happens if they're broken down? Protection. <laughs> yep. Please see 2 Timothy 3-1-4. Your walls are broken down. Okay. So, what about mastering your mood? Anybody wake up in a bad mood from time to time? Oh, never. <laughs> all of us, except for Susan Rowland. <laughs> and I think it's because she's married to Scott. Yeah. Pretty sure that that's the case. What can I what say? Sally? <laughs> <laughs> what Sally? <laughs> well, she's working on it. But, you know, the, the mastery of our mood, you know, if we are going to... If we are going to live like a city with broken down walls, mm-hmm. then guess what? The enemy is going to attack and have free access, mm-hmm. and is, you're going to be available, and you're a sitting duck. Mm-hmm. Well, of course, because how, how many of you experience when you start off in a bad mood and something goes wrong? It just seems like it snowballs from yeah, there. Yeah, it does. And it's interesting because, you know, you think back and you, you think about people that are, are um, that really are capable of getting things done. And, and I don't mean, I'm not talking about people that build great, wonderful things. I'm, I'm talking about people that are productive. Mm-hmm. You, you, can, you, can, you can be a foot washer mm-hmm. and be productive. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because that's what Jesus does. So I'm not talking about it in, in terms of people who make lots of money or people that build big and wonderful things. I'm talking about being productive. And what is a common theme that runs through the character qualities of a person that get, that is that is quite productive and gets lots of things accomplished, lots of things done? Self-discipline. Self-discipline. They decide that they're going to do things even in their, if they're in a bad mood. They're going to do it anyway. They're going to do what's right, no matter what. I don't care what the circumstances are, how they feel, what's happening around them. They are responsible people that make a decision that they are going to do what would honor and please God out of self-control. Because outside circumstances don't matter. Their mood doesn't matter. None of those things matter. How about people that are really careful about not sticking their number nine and a half foot in their mouth? <laughs> How about people that that use words? Anybody use words? <laughs> Don't look at me like that. <laughs> 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 
Proverbs 13, 3. He who guards his mouth preserves his life, but he who opens wide his lips shall have destruction. <laughs> That's like putting a size 9 in. Huh? So, <laughs> so Ernie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> so early. Um, what does it? How much does it take for you to lose your cool? It, it didn't take very much <laughs> years ago. In that. How about last week, Ernie? Uh, I had my button pushed a few times. <laughs> yeah. The Proverbs thirteen three says says what now? Yeah, it's, it's you gotta guard your lips. Yeah, guard your lips. Uh-huh. You bite your tongue. Bite your tongue. Your tongue. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And and if you do that, what is? You preserve your life. You preserve your life. Yeah. Right. Wow. Now we can spend a lot of time talking about that, but we don't have time for tonight. But that's powerful. Mm-hmm. So you know, you put your brain in here before you put your mouth in here. You know, like we can either look to Ernie or we can look to we can look to Peter. Okay. Peter was an expert. Yeah. Oh Lord, I'll never deny you. Yeah. Yeah. And Jesus, kind of like Susan Yawn. Oh, Peter. Peter, Peter, Peter. 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 There's going to be a rooster right down yonder. Peter. Peter. You know, and you, Peter, you're just so foolish. You know, stop. Engage your brain. Renew your mind. Then use your mouth, according to Proverbs. And how about restraint? How? Restraint can be, how can restraint be exercised? Yeah. Yeah, Ernie just said, well, it used to be. I fly off the handle quickly. You've heard me tell the story about the friend of mine that, that used to have a temper problem, and what God used was a solid cordor. He just attention, broke his whole hand. Wow. Mm-hmm. Well, your fist can't go through a solid cordor when you think it's hollow. Mm-hmm. And, and that was a lesson, uh, quite an expensive operation, I might add. And um, so, <coughs> you know, time operation, um, uh, it was painful, uh, he was humiliated, uh, all of that stuff uh, in this man's life, uh, and he'd been a Christian for quite some time, and it was like, I get it, Lord, it's oh, yeah. like this. You won't do that again. No, he, and, I, and, I, and I, I know this man well, and I've watched a transformation in his life. Hey, God used that experience. To transform him in many, in many, many ways. Mm-hmm. So, um, Proverbs nineteen eleven. A man's wisdom gives him patience. It is to give glory to overlook and offend. Yeah, the translations it says, if you are sensible, you will control your temper. Temper. When someone wrongs you, it is a great virtue. So, yeah. yeah. I love that. So showing restraint is a tremendous attribute as it relates to self-control as a fruit of the Spirit. Restraint is paramount. Is it natural? Not even. That's the word we It's not natural. Especially if the guy that did that to you looks a particular way. 
I mean, if Sally cut me up on the freeway, it would be different. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if you recognize her. But you know, they look like a kind of, you know what I mean? We have these stereotypes, right? The guys that don't have a stereotypes because there's no Greek, there's no Jew, there's no male, there's no female, there's just guys' children. So we got to learn that when somebody cuts us off. But I, I saw an email the other day. I, I don't know whether it's on Facebook or whether it was on an email. But anyway, this gal was going down the road. And this guy was behind her, and he was right on her bumper, following her, getting, and he was really getting impatient with her and everything and that. And then finally, he got a chance to get around, and he pulled around over on the other side, and he gave her the one-finger salute, and went back in in front of her, and then he lost control and went into the median strip. (laughs) (laughs) She drove by and laughed and said, "Ha ha ha! Teaches you a lesson." Yeah, so speaking of lessons, how about Ephesians 5, 15, and 16? <laughs> and in terms of self-control, let's see what Ephesians 5, 15, and 16 relates to. Um, preferably out of the NIV, it's a reason. I do. Be very careful, then, how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, mm-hmm. making the most of every opportunity, because the days are evil. Mm-hmm. And then it goes on to say, therefore do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Ah. And um, how does that relate to self-control? That scripture. What comes to your mind? Make the most of every opportunity. And what is that? What are the opportunities that we have? To show others that we're Christians mm. through God. Okay, that's good. Witnessing? Mm-hmm. The days are short. The days are short. So speaking of short days, um, uh, what what has God given you that you have the, the most of today? Everything you need. I know, but one specific thing I'm thinking of. 24 hours. <laughs> he gave you 24 hours. Exactly right. So what he gave you time, the gift of time. You have time. Make the most of every opportunity is what Ephesians says, mm-hmm. and that every opportunity, you have to have time to have an opportunity. Mm-hmm. Okay? Boy, we should be looking around, shouldn't we? So, I'm telling you, those that manage their time well are those that I can show you have have self-discipline and self-control. Mm-hmm. Because if you don't manage your time, somebody else will. I've been an employer my whole adult life, and I can tell you that it took me a long time to learn how not to get all of my buttons pushed <laughs> so that I was out there doing all the things that the employees should have been doing, and I wasn't smart enough to figure out that, hey, man, aren't I you do that? Mm-hmm. Use your time well, otherwise people will just naturally... And everyone in here that is a parent knows that lesson really well. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Because you will start being controlled by others mm-hmm. if you don't manage your time well, and that's what Ephesians is talking about. So if you you need to exercise self control in the management of your time, mm-hmm. because if you don't manage your time well, because whether you like it or not, you're in the world, mm-hmm. and the world has time requirements. Mm-hmm. You're just not of the world. Mm-hmm. So if you're going to be a master of your time you're going to be able to be afforded the opportunity by God to do His will when somebody needs something. They need 
help, or you can witness, or you can serve, or you can do anything for the kingdom. Okay? You can only do it if you have self-discipline and self-control over your time. And then what about Proverbs 21, 20? This should be an easy one for us to get the There is a desirable treasure, and oil in the dwelling of the wife, but a foolish man squanders it. Foolish man squanders it. And out of the NIV, or Robert, what do you, you have the ESV? What do you read out of? Yeah. ESV. ESV? Yeah. What does the ESV say for Proverbs 21 20? Precious treasure and oil are in a wise man's dwelling, but a foolish man devours it. <laughs> I was like a quote that uh, said early on, you know, about candy. Mm. You know? So, it, it, Proverbs is talking about being able to manage your resources well, your money well. Show me a self-discipline and a self-controlled person. I will show you somebody that knows how much money they make and where it goes. Show me somebody that isn't self-controlled and self-disciplined and they don't have the slightest idea. I'm not saying it's a good person, bad person. thing. I'm just saying that that is necessarily how it manifests itself. So a self-controlled person... Make sure that there is choice food and oil, mm-hmm. and you haven't devoured all of it. You've stored yeah. up a little bit. You've got little savings there. Yeah. Okay, for that rainy day thing. Mm-hmm. And so uh, you, you should be thinking about these things because God has an expectation and admonishes us to do things. Mm-hmm. And so to be self-controlled, we ought to be managing our, our all of our talents mm-hmm. and our and our and our treasures, mm-hmm. uh, all of our resources. They should be they should be managed well. Ooh, this seems like a hard thing to do, though, doesn't it? No. <laughs> Not yeah. at all. That's like when I first started out in construction. And, that, you, know, and uh, you get rainy weather, and you're out of work. So you've got to learn to put it away when you're making it, because rainy days are coming. Rainy days are definitely coming. I mean, I remember when we were working down at the Ventura Harbor, and that we were digging that out. All of a sudden, the ocean, the river, came into the harbor, and we were out of work for six weeks waiting for them to pump all that water back out of there. Yeah, it's hard to make your house payment if you don't have a check for six weeks and there's nothing in the bank for contingency, and that all relates to the biblical precept of discipline and control. Self-discipline and self-control. You see, we're talking about it in terms of and in the context of a fruit of the Spirit. And I'm telling you that what the Bible says is that if you are self-disciplined and if you follow God's precepts, read Proverbs. It's great about wisdom and about all kinds. I love Proverbs. Mm-hmm. Some of you know I I read Proverbs every month because there's 31 of them. Okay. And so, and uh, you know what? It's it's uh, you would think I would know them by heart, but I don't because my brain is small, so I have to read them all the time. But but I and it's wonderful. It's it's incredible what Proverbs tells us, and it tells us to master our moods, watch our words, show restraint, manage our time well, manage our resources well, and and then there's these manifestations will be put. Twenty six. In Proverbs 26, 4 and 5, I've always 
I've always liked those that it applies here. So do not enter a pool according to his folly. Or you will be like him yourself. Yeah. Answer a fool according to his folly, or he will be wise in his own eyes. Mm-hmm. And that's, there's that discipline, self control. Don't be foolish in your answer to the fool. Self control is really powerful, and that it's one of the areas of um, uh, a great distress that people have. It's a character quality of God. Does God exercise self-control? Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. Just read the Old Testament. <laughs> and it's, 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 a, it's amazing. I mean, you know, you see God's grace. I mean, you see, you see the whole setup, you know, for Jesus in the Old Testament. But, but what you really see, uh, I love listening to, to what we've been uh, taught on Sunday mornings of late. Um, you know, all about God's grace, and you see this, you know, do you see the angry God, or do you see the real graceful, loving God that that has done what he needed to do to protect us, when he could have just said, I'm done, you know, know, because he could have just started over, Mm -hmm. you know, I Um, I, I, I think (laughs) you know, that was a mistake, (laughs) that was a mistake, we'll just cut that one up and we'll start from scratch. You know, I can be better than that. Yeah. He sort of did with Noah. Yeah. <laughs> he sort of, he sort of did. But, uh, but he's, but the, the, and the point is, is that there was provision all the way along. And it all was out of God's grace and his love. And you see that woven in and through all of the disobedience, including ours. And so as we look at this fruit of the Spirit, this this self-discipline, insofar as it requires us, right, Diana, to make the choice. So, so true. We make the choice um, to be obedient, and therefore, we—it's—it's it's almost like working out our salvation. Okay, our salvation is secure. There's no question about that. But this sanctification process that we're going through, in order to become masters of it, can't be done in our own strength. And boy, self-discipline is one of the critical ones because it is one of those fruits that in that is most lacking. It really is. Because it really takes a lot to be disciplined. Because you have to be able to do the things that are right. And here's a challenge for you. Tomorrow, go through your day and think about in the power of the Spirit doing what's right. Not what's on your schedule. Not what you're, not what you think you need to do, or you have to do, or you're required to do. Look at everything that you do tomorrow on the basis of, from the point of view of the kingdom. Is this the right thing to do, or is there something else God would have you do? Just do that one day, and don't change what you're going to do. But perhaps make a couple of notes during the day, and I think you'll be surprised by. It. Dark tomorrow night. What your list looks like, and therein lies a real challenge for us to appropriate the power of the Spirit. Because if we don't have self-control, what do we have? No control. No control. And when we don't have control, what does the Bible call that? Chaos. Yeah. Yeah. City without walls. Okay, and what's the 
what's the what's the word that I'm looking for? If you're out of control, what are you doing? You're running sinning. Away. Sinning. <laughs> it is sin. So let's just call it what it is. That's what God's word calls it. it the opposite of self-control, frankly, is sin. Mm-hmm. That is big. Self-control is big. Generally speaking, if we lack self-control, back to 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 4, lovers of self, of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. That's what happens when you have self-control. In some way, shape, or form, that's where you're going. Are all those things that are listed in Scripture in 2 Timothy 3, 1-4, are those all sin? Everyone. Yeah, every single one of them. So, so this self-control thing is a challenge for everybody. That would, right? be, the, that would be the fruit of the non Holy Spirit. <laughs> right. Yeah. That would that would be the bad fruit, yeah. as opposed to the good fruit. And so when when I, I love your responses and thank you for that because when your eyebrows went up when the word mastery was used, it was it's so appropriate because you are absolutely correct. Mastery? Are you kidding? No. No, the Bible's not kidding. <laughs> there's, no, there's no joke about it. I mean, we laugh because we know who we are as people. And yet, and yet, do we have the ability to work towards that mastery? Oh, you better believe it. Through the power of the Spirit. There's absolutely no question about it. Because the Holy Spirit has, as we've been talking about for weeks, given us how much of what we need to do that? Everything we need. Isn't that awesome? Because I'm a... I'm a yeah, I'm just a knucklehead. <laughs> okay? And so, left to my own devices, you know, I'd still be listening to Highway to Hell going up the highway. And, you know, I thought I was so far beyond that. I really did, to be honest with you. That's a confession. I thought I was so far beyond that. And yet, it took this study and that event for God to say, Really, Bill? I mean, really? Seriously? And you, and, you, and you say you're a follower of me, you're a disciple of mine, really? Uh, I want to be. <laughs> so forgive me, I'm going I'm to make a go right now. Sorry. You know what I mean? So there's sanctification. Oh, we all have a long ways to go. We all have a really long ways to go. So speaking on that music like that, we have some boys next door, and we're working with a problem over there right now. Anyway, they had their radio cranked up the, the other day, and, that, and I don't know what group they had on there, but the, the foul language that was mm-hmm. coming out of that song, I couldn't believe. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Funny, I don't want to But foul language comes from music, yeah. from culture, and from cults. Mm-hmm. Watch your doctrine. Watch your words carefully. None of these things can be done if you're doing them in your strength. And you would expect that out of the culture from the kids next door that don't know Jesus. And yet we can be the example 
that hopefully will plant some seeds because we are self-control. That's what I'm trying to do. And the purpose for self-control, again, is what? Ultimately? Obedience. Obedience is how we're self-controlled, but what's the purpose? Glorify God. Glorify God. When others to Christ. Glorify God. All to the glory of God. When, see, when He gets the glory, we get the blessing. Mm-hmm. Isn't that amazing? So when we get up tomorrow and we decide that we are going to just do what's right, based on whatever the Lord has in front of us tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Are you going to be working on the makeup task? You know, Bill, one, one thing that applies, and, and this word's really interesting, it says self-control. And I think sometimes, and, and I think it apply to this whole list, but the, since the word self is in there, we tend to define it as individual. Mm-hmm. I mean, God gives us the Holy Spirit, but sometimes we learn self-control by inviting people into our lives to help us develop the self-control and the love and the joy. I think sometimes with the fruit of the Spirit, it becomes all about me. And and we acknowledge the Holy Spirit. But God places it in the body. You know, Hebrews 10 says we're to consider one another to spur us on to love and good deeds. Part of the body of Christ is to help us bear the fruit, develop the fruit, exercise the discipline control necessary. But when I was thinking of self-control, we tend to individualize that. I got to have self-control. I got to have this. When truthfully, one of the ways you can learn self-control is to say, hey, Ernie, I don't have self-control in this area. I'm going to invite you into my life. I know you love me. I know you accept me. Mm-hmm. So can you help me develop self-control? Mm-hmm. And we develop self-control by admitting to somebody we don't have self-control in a particular area and inviting them in through the power of the Holy Spirit to help us in this area. It, 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 it's, it's an interesting twist because we, we can equate self-control with individual individualism. Yeah. And we forget God places us in the body for the very reason to extend grace and, and to spur one another on to love and good deeds. You know, mm-hmm. We just have to be cautious about it's up to me alone. Just me and God. Yeah, just me I'm and God. I'm you know? right now with self-control. I'm coffee. <laughs> 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 I'm trying to see if the sermons that I have are hereditary, like I know my mother has and my brother, or if it's too much coffee. So I'm laying off coffee for two or three weeks at least to see if it makes any difference. If I find out it's hereditary, I'll go back to drinking coffee. (laughs) 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 So I I got an out there. You got an out there. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Well, it, it is, and I, and I, I would submit um, in closing that, that really the disciplines that we employ today have a very big impact mm-hmm. on our obedience for tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Because these things that we choose to do in the power of the Spirit, and insofar as it is our decision, okay, because it's amazing, God doesn't beat us over the head yeah. mm-hmm. to be. To, to, to live a disciplined life. I think that there's, it, it, you know, it's remarkable mm-hmm. how gracious he is. Um, uh, we do it because we want to. Mm-hmm. And so when we make that decision, the spiritual disciplines that we choose to employ 
will be tremendously important for our walk of obedience tomorrow. And then tomorrow's for the day after that. And the day after that for the day after that as we take them one at a time. But the discipline is critical. Amen? Amen. Amen. It is so. It is so.